Say hello and welcome to Resistance Radio. I'm John Kane, and I am happy to be here. Look, I realize that um, that I've been absent quite a bit lately between scheduled uh, preemptions uh, for fundraising and and of course the January six hearings. I haven't been around too much. Um, it's so, not my fault, and it's not Reggie's fault. No, <laughs> but and my point, the reason I bring it up is I haven't had a chance to do much lifting on the uh, on the fundraising issue. So let me. Take a few minutes and, again, encourage you, the listeners of WBAI and WPFW, to support your stations. This, we are listener-supported radio. We really do count on your contributions to these stations. And, and of course, as you know, I mean, look, I'm following a, a, a program and I'm, I'm pooping. I mean, so we have a diverse, we have, we have a diverse lineup here. So, um, uh, and, and not to make light of the previous program, but um, <laughs> at least on WBAI, that, that is. For those in WPFW, I apologize if, uh, if I caught you off guard with that one. But um, uh, look, we are diverse radio uh, broadcasters, and, uh, and this show is, is an unusual show. I mean, you, by listening to Resistance Radio, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, our existence as Native people, I mean, living as Native people, not just genetically or Ancestry.com or 23andMe Native people, I mean... People living as Native people on Native communities, in Native communities, uh, you know, fighting for our existence. Our existence is our resistance. And so having an opportunity for you to hear my voice, my take, my opinions on various issues, some very specific to Native people, some not so specific to Native people, is an opportunity for you to hear something you're not going to hear anywhere else. So the fact that Pacifica stations like WBAI and WPFW are willing to give me space. Look, we're always talking. I, I did a whole show on land acknowledgement and how we don't need just to be acknowledged. We need space. And these two stations give me space. They give me an opportunity to reach out to you. So I'm asking you, because of what the station provides as far as a platform for my voice, I'm asking you to contribute to those stations. And of course, if you're listening in New York on WBAI, I want you to call 212-209-2950 make a contribution. Look, WBAI is just wrapping up a, uh, a fundraiser for their, their tower fund, which is to pay for our, uh, the tower that we broadcast from in, uh, in Times Square. Uh, but you know what? We, this station in, in New York oftentimes has a, has a bigger nut to crack than other stations, even in the Pacifica network. That's not to say that WPFW doesn't need your contribution. So if you're listening in, in, uh, in Washington, I ask that you go to their uh, uh, pledge number, which is 202-588-9739. If you, like in New York, we would love you to be a WBAI buddy. That's our sustainer program where you make a commitment to have uh, a monthly charge to your checking account or your, or your credit card. And, uh, and you can do that either by calling that pledge line, again, 212-209-2950, or going online to give2wbai.org. Uh, in, in, in Washington, they don't call it the buddy program, but it's the same thing. They have a sustaining um, membership where you can contribute whatever you can on a weekly or, a weekly or frankly, on a monthly basis. Um, and you can do that, again, by calling their number, which, again, is 202-588-9739, or go online to WPFWFM. Org and follow the prompts to make a contribution there. It is so important in this time, you know, anytime. I look, it always seems like the most current uh, problems that we face make radio like this more and more urgent. But as a Native person, we also get affected by what your Supreme Court does in terms of uh, bolstering state power over any number of things. But we are a number of those things. And you know, things like, you know, gaming and taxation and, and uh, you know, uh, our children, I mean, our elders, violence against women, all that stuff can be impacted by what your system does. So although I will always draw a line between what your system is and what our system is, there's no question that we're impacted by it. So it's, it's a critical time for us, too. I mean, I, I realize some of what, you know, what Americans are facing with with the Supreme Court and, uh, you know, and again, with the the partisanship that exists in the United States, which is at a, you know, almost an all-time high as far as I can, at least in my lifetime. 
So it's a, it's a critical time. So please support these stations and, uh, and you know, make a commitment to keep this kind of diverse programming coming your way. All right. <laughs> so, and this show isn't going to be just tailored towards Washington, but look, one of the most morally bankrupt organizations in the United States, and more and more comes out every single day, is the Washington NFL football team or program or organization. I mean, there's a good chance that, that the owner, Dan Snyder, will be forced to, have to sell the team because of, again, the, the racist and misogynist and, and just, you know, morally corrupt um, I, I, atmosphere that exists with this team. But for me, the crazy part is, even this morally bankrupt organization with its morally bankrupt ownership changed their mascot. Now, look, I, I realize that, you know, some will say, well, that was just a financial decision because FedEx and Nike and uh, Amazon and Walmart and Target, they all, they all said they were going to pull their sponsorship. Yeah, but that didn't happen in a, vac in, in a vacuum either. The crazy part is, Somebody as morally bankrupt as, <laughs> as Dan Snyder and an organi organization that is just rife with so many problems, still, forced or otherwise, did the right thing on their mascot issue. And, and it just begs the question, what the hell is wrong with the almost 2,000 schools, schools, high schools and grade schools in the United States that they can't see it? I mean, even when you cite that the Washington football team changed its name or the Cleveland baseball team changed its name, even when you cite that, these people still dig in. They still dig in in a way that is just, I mean, it's, it's absurd. And, and of course, I always say that this is an example of the unique racism that Native people experience. And, and it is, and, and I'm not trying to rate what is worse, what, well, what racism is worse. I mean, that's like saying which genocide is worse. I mean... I, I'm not going there, but, but the, the, one of the things that, that I have a problem with, and you know because I've talked about it a, a great deal on this program, is that there's a failure to recognize much of this as racism. I mean, look, the first time I say something about schools need to, uh, to drop this use of race-based mascots, oh, there you go, playing the race card. Look, I didn't play the race card. You use Native people for your mascot. You made that decision. I'm just saying that it's wrong. You know, and recently, this, just this past week, I posted um, you know, kind of a, a, a lengthy read on Facebook and I even and a shorter one on, on Twitter. But I got to ask the question. For all of you who claim that there was nothing, there's no ill intent and there's no problem with using Native people, what's wrong with using Native people for, for mascots? It's, a, it's an honor. We're, we're just trying to show respect. And of course... It's, it's been clear for, for over 20 years that Native people do not view, uh, generally, we do not view being used as mascots, being used in this, in this dehumanized fashion as honor. No, we don't. Now, that's not to say that there, that there aren't a few Native people out there, and maybe more than a few Native people out there, who love being propped up and tokenized in various communities, especially where, where, and I'm talking about predominantly white communities. When I'm talking about these schools, look, if you're a native community and you call yourself the Warriors, that's one thing. But if you're white folk, <laughs> if you're 95 to 98% white and you're running around calling yourself Indians, that's mockery. I mean, that's just flat out mockery. That's not like you grabbing something in your culture. So when I co complain about this stuff, when I hear everybody says, yeah, well, what about Notre Dame? Uh, they call themselves the Fighting Irish. You know what? Um, <laughs> let's be clear. Notre Dame was run primarily by Irish Catholics. So when they called themselves the Fighting Irish, they were still talking about themselves. And regardless of what it has become, that's the origin story to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And... Look, if anybody has a problem with that, I'm with you. I'm with you. I still think it's wrong to use people for mascots. But, but I do, I mean, I, I'm not even crazy about native uh, schools using um, native mascots, using themselves and, and putting themselves forward. Because it invites, it invites people to say just the most racist things. 
I mean, we've seen the opposing team say, get ready for another trail of tears. We've seen, you know, scalp them. We've seen time for another Indian massacre. We've seen all of these historical atrocities being made light of in the, in, in sports competitions, no less. So when I'm talking about, I am talking about white folks predominantly. And, and I'm not saying there aren't some black folks that, that have jumped on to defending these, these native mascots. But to that, I asked the question. And this, is, and this was the post that I did on, on Facebook and Twitter. How would you honor black people if your little white school in a rural America decided, you know what, I want to honor black people. Yeah, I know it's far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know, I know. But if you wanted to, what would that look like? I mean, what, would, what term would you use to generalize a black American you know, population? Look, and I'm not throwing out the N-word or anything else. I mean, but what would you use? And I'm not saying that's the only alternative. There's certainly other alternatives. But what would you use? And then what would the mascot actually be? What would the imagery be? You know, would you model it after some, uh, some native, or I'm sorry, some black figure in American history? You know, maybe Harriet Tubman or Frederick Douglass or um, um, what's the, uh, uh, Crispus Attucks? I mean, uh, first, first man shot and killed in the Revolutionary War, a black man. Would you, would you model after him? What about Jesse Owens or Muhammad Ali or Michael Jordan? I mean, I mean, I, I realize the immediate thing that would happen is, is you know, bolstering the stereotype about, you know, uh, all black people have to be superior athletes. Not suggesting that there aren't some very superior athletes in the black community. There certainly are. But without even getting, getting there, what would you use? How would you do it? And you know what? Let's be honest. You wouldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't get away with it because there would be no way to do it that wouldn't somehow come across as racist. And if you can't do it with black people or Jewish people or Muslim people or Chinese people or other um, you know, East Asian people, if you can't do it with other people, then why the hell can you do it with Native people? Why can you use a variety of words, Indians, savages, warriors, chiefs, tomahawks, um, braves, and of course, all of the nations. Oh, we're the Mohawks, we're the Iroquois, we're the uh, Apache, we're the, the Comanche, we're the Kiowa, we're the Cherokee, we're all, uh, yeah, all of it. They're all being used. There's almost 2,000 schools in the United States. Most of them are predominantly white. And those are the folks that dig in. And, and the funny thing is, they dig in first by saying, oh, no, there's no ill intent, so there's nothing wrong with it. Well, for one thing, I'm not even sure you can really make the argument about ill intent. Because, again, I, keep in mind, at the time that these little white communities were selecting a native mascot for their little white schools and their little white children, native kids were being beaten at residential schools. Yeah, and, and I realize that most of you have no freaking idea what this is about. The United States has been covering this up for years, and now only recently are we even having a, a conversation about the U.S. having a reckoning with its 150-year genocide through, you know, through abducting and torturing native children. 150 years. But during that 150 years is when your little white town decided, oh, we, we can play Indian. Yeah, you can, but we can't. We couldn't even be Native people. We got our hair chopped off. We got treated as prisoners in a school, tortured for speaking our language or trying to hang on to any semblance of our identity. But no, little white kids, they could smear mom's makeup on their face. They could beat up on their oatmeal canisters and, and, and mock them, uh, you know, take some chicken feathers and stick them in their hair. They could put their little cheerleaders in skimpy little outfits and call her Pocahontas. Yeah, they could do all of that, but not us. Children died in these schools. And I would argue that they all died a little. Why? Because that was actually the policy. The policy was kill the Indian, save the man. Look, if you actually and literally killed them, well, <laughs> at least that's one lesson you got to worry about. But if you could kill 
the identity, destroy the nativeness of a people? That's a whole other kind of ethnic cleansing. And it's still genocide. Because it is creating the conditions, and these were literally conditions created to destroy a people. Largest period of land loss, largest period of distinction loss, autonomy loss, sovereignty loss, population loss, all happened during this 150 years. But your little white schools, you would think the mention, the very mention of residential schools would be enough for white people to, you know, oh, geez, oh, what, oh yeah, we, can, we can't do this anymore. We can't do this. We can't pretend because we've been doing it for 60 or 80 or 90 years that we're Indians. Not when Native people were, were being beaten. Children. I mean, we're doing this for our children. We're, we're giving them something to be proud of. No, you're not. You're hiding the truth. So, I, again, I ask the question. How would you use anybody else? Look, if you were a school that was predominantly black and you called yourself the Warriors and you put up a black, you know, uh, some sort of black image of a warrior, that would be a prerogative that, that I would not be against. I'm not, still not crazy about it. But part of the whole thing is what is the imagery all about? The imagery is about creating characteristics that may or may not be true. What are the, what are the Haudenosaunee famous for? Peace. Yeah. In fact, most people interpret our, um, what we people call our constitution, the Guyana de Goa, they interpret that as the great law of peace. Well, how the heck would you use peaceful people for a mascot? You don't. You lie. You make everything about being war and warlike and fierce and ruthless and vengeful. You try to create fear by saying, well, we're the Indians. And then you create all of these imageries of violent native people. And of course, they're time-stamped, right? Because you, even if you call yourself the Cambridge Indians, you don't even know what native people you're claiming, what Indians you're claiming to be. Because it doesn't matter. You don't care. You just want to create this imagery, this fierce imagery that would invoke fear in, in, you know, in, uh, in your opponents. I was told that some schools, like Cambridge, for instance, they got their imagery because, um, because the way they swarmed, I don't know if it was on the football field or basketball field, court or whatever, that you know, some sports commentator said they were like Indians out there because the stereotype is that somehow we just ambush people, that we're the ones who committed the massacres, not the ones that are being massacred. Because if you look at history, why would you want the victims of massacres to be your mascot? No, you want to tell a different story. You want to tell a story about the fierce and toughness and the, and the vengeful and, the, and the, you know, the violent native people that you can grab those characteristics and then use that for your, for your identity. To hell with the truth. Look, if we were that violent, you wouldn't be here. We would have fought you the moment you got off the boat, but we weren't. We were benevolent people. Why? Because nature isn't vengeful. No animal kills out of vengeance, only man. Man is the lowest animal in the moral, in, in the moral, uh, on that moral spectrum. So, so why? Why would you not take a cue from what, <laughs> again, from a morally bankrupt organization like, like the Washington football team, who, in the midst of all of their controversy, did that one right thing. I'm not crazy about the name they selected, but that's none of my business. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, that, that there are still schools. And, and when I say predominantly white, I mean nine, over, in excess of 90%. And yeah, they're gonna find some, some token person of color, black, native, or otherwise. They say, oh, I don't think there's anything offensive about it. Well, you know what? You may not. You know why? Because you live in that white community, and that white community has shaped your values. When I hear a Native person who has no connection to a Native community, no connection to a Native family or culture, 
say, well, I'm, you know, I did a Ancestry.com uh, and, I'm, and I'm Native American and I'm fine with uh, being, you know, our school calling themselves Indians or Redskins or, you know, savages or whatever else. I'm fine with it. In fact, we think it pays homage. You know what? Let's look historically. One of the first foundational documents of the United States is the Declaration of Independence, where we are referred to as merciless Indian savages. It was not meant as a compliment. It was not meant to be a mascot. And, and in fact, old Thomas Jefferson would be rolling over in his grave, like I really care, um, if he knew that the merciless Indian savages that he cited in the Declaration of Independence, that little white kids would be running around calling themselves that. Well, maybe he would be fine with it because he knew it would be mockery. So that's what we were called. That's not the only time we're re actually referenced in the document. The, the, it it doesn't, doesn't say it specifically, but among the facts submitted to the candid world was this notion that that evil king wouldn't let these brave settlers expand their territories to their needs. In other words, he wouldn't let them invade more native territory and create a, a bigger security problem for the, for the colonies. King George was against expanding. In fact, he issued the Royal Proclamation of 1763, which was to limit expansion into native territory, at least for the time being. That's one of the complaints. And I would argue it's one of the major complaints because if you look at the history of the colonists, among the first things that they did with their independence was to begin the process of trying to expand into native territory and to get rid of native people. I mean, they were doing it before <laughs> the revolution. They were doing it during the revolution. In fact, there's this massive massacre that took place in, on the border of what is now Ohio and, um, and Pennsylvania, uh, where a bunch of Christian native people were, were just murdered. Uh, you know, they were bludgeoned and then burnt in, their, uh, in, their, in one of their buildings. I mean, it's it just, this is the history. So, and that murdering and genocide would continue after the revolution. It's, it's among the hallmarks of what colonization is really all about. When they talk about settler colonialism, they're really talking about genocide. In every instance, when people refer to settler uh, colonialism, they're talking about genocide. Because it isn't really about assimilation. And to the extent that it is, it's first you have to eliminate and diminish the population so significantly that, they're, that, they're, that they can barely be distinguishable from the rest of the population. And, and that's the goal. That was always the goal. That's what residential schools were all about. Residential schools didn't just happen to have a high uh, loss of life. The deaths of those schools was part of the, was part of the program. Uh, they won't say it. I mean, they, when they say kill the Indian, save the, save the man, they mean, they, they'll say, oh, we didn't really mean kill. We just meant metaphorically kill the nativeness, kill that part of them. Yeah, right. Then it's just a coincidence that native people died at the rate they died at these schools? Come on. I mean, I've argued that the clergy sex abuse scandals that, that have rocked the Catholic and the Baptist churches, some of them got their, their real... If not their foundation, they certainly got their, their catalyst to be these perverts out of residential schools. And, you know, and, and I see these posts about all these lawsuits about clergy sex abuse. None of them are native. No, none of them are native. These, we haven't even, they haven't even begun to, to try to uh, deal with not just the, the crimes against individual children, but the crimes against us as peoples. That hasn't even started yet. That hasn't even begun. You know, and, and, in, and what we see, and this is a you know, kind of a, a unique time in American, America's history because things are such a mess between, you know, what is claimed to be the right and the left. And, and don't get me wrong, racism is not a right thing. It's a white thing. I know every time I say that, I piss off a bunch of white people. I didn't say all white people are racist. I'm saying all racists are white people. Now, that's not to say... I mean, because when I call somebody a racist, I mean they are advancing their own superiority or, or race as being superior. That's not to say, and, I, and I've said this on a previous show, I called uh, one of these local politicians a black white supremacist because she still advances white supremacy even though she's not white because she's found a comfortable space in that white supremacy. So 
we know that there are people of color who support white supremacy because they find comfortable niches within that system of oppression. They get rewarded for calling their, the rest of their people down and for taking positions against their people. They, they can advance their careers while everybody else just wallows in misery. That's how you get a Clarence Thomas. I mean, this is, that's how the system works. And frankly, that's how you get a Deb Haaland. You get a native woman hoisted up high on this pedestal, and then we are told, oh, there, see, you got, you got your, your reparations. Now there's a native cabinet secretary. Well, how's that worked out? Well, we still have no reckoning for residential schools. I mean, her report suggested that as many as 500 people, children have uh, been discovered in, in unmarked graves. 500 children? That's, that could be one school out of 350, almost 400 schools. Don't insult me with 500 children, dead children. You know that it's probably 50,000. And if you don't, I'm sorry, I'm taking away your Indian card. <laughs> it is just, I mean, it is that absurd. So we see people of color who get advanced in those systemically racist institutions. And when I say institutions, I don't mean just governance. I mean the courts. I mean even things like arbitration, which are like courts. Um, judges, obviously. Lawmakers. Not just elected officials in general, but specifically lawmakers. All the, the laws. Critical race theory, the intersection of racism and, and law. Yeah, IGRA, Indian, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. A law specifically passed to take power away from Native people and give it to the state and the feds. That is racist. But that system of racism is embedded in schools, not just because of mascots, I mean, just the way history is taught. It's embedded, and when I say schools, I mean elementary schools, I mean middle schools, I mean high schools, I mean colleges, universities, all the way up. It's embedded in the media. Look, I'll sing the praises of WBAI and WPFW for giving me space. But you know, there ain't a whole lot of other stations doing that. Not NPR, not even, even the, the, the odd channels on cable. Free Speech TV, I'm Link TV. Not a whole lot of Native people on any of those programs, folks. Not, there, there aren't a whole lot of Native programs on any of that stuff. Yeah, Reservation Dogs had some success on Hulu. And they'll continue to have success. But you know what? As much as Native people are, are glad to see that, if white people weren't entertained by it, we wouldn't have it. It wouldn't be there. It's because the system is controlled. So when I say media, I mean not just the news. I don't just mean you know cable, uh, cable news or print media or radio. I mean entertainment. I mean theater. I mean movies. I mean television. We ain't there, folks. <laughs> and while there is some, uh, there are some changes. I mean, we are seeing other people of color breaking through in some of these areas. Not Native people. But again, when you talk about systemic racism, it's in the banking system, redlining. You know, mortgages in general. It's in the banking system. It's in every part of corporate America. The commerce system of the United States is racist. I don't just mean the people who get followed around, uh, you know, Macy's. I just mean in general, everything from credit cards to lending to, you know, to everything. It's, the whole system is racist. And some of it isn't codified in law specifically. It's just interpreted in a way to make it racist, and it's allowed. That's why I say when we talk about critical race theory, Native, the laws passed relating to Native people specifically name us. They, they don't just imply what you're going to do to Native. No, they flat out say what they're going to do. Oh, we're going to make them U.S. citizens. We're going to redefine them as subordinate to the laws of the United States. Yeah, these are actual Native uh, or uh, U.S. laws. We're going to um, uh, pass the Civilization Act, which is going to give us uh, both the funding and the authorization to commit ethnic cleansing on Native people. 
that's where our residential schools gets its, uh, you know, its start. No, there are the laws that were passed relating to us don't just imply racism, and they don't just result in numbers that indicate racism. I mean, it isn't just like, well, here's what happened, and you can directly connect the prison population to to this. I mean, there's no law that says you have to lock up more black people than white people. It just, but, but that's the way the system works. But when, when it relates to us, there are specific laws that that only apply to native people. Only. That, by definition, is racism. So, you know, again, I, I opened the, the, the show with this, this conversation about a place like, or or an organization like the Washington football team, in spite of its ongoing controversies, they could be forced, or or certainly urged financially, to drop their name. But there's still almost 100 schools in New York State, almost 2,000 nationwide, that are still mocking Native people every day. And so what is the cause, or what's the effects of that? Well, I'll tell you what the effects are. You have generation, class after class, year after year, generation after generation of children who are being taught to be stupid. They are being taught to be ignorant about what a native person is. Oh, yeah, uh, Indian, yeah, that's that thing on the side of my football helmet. I've seen a picture. I've seen a picture of an Indian. That's what an Indian is, that picture on, on, a, uh, on the banner, on the, on the school um, uh mascots on the, on, the, on the letterhead for the school. Yeah, I, I've seen that. No, that's not what an uh, Indian is. For one thing, uh, again, I hate to state the obvious, but India is a person from Indian, from India. The reason Native people are called Indians is because Columbus is a moron. He thought he had reached the easternmost islands of the, of the Indies, of the East Indies, and so he called us Indians, and you people just can't get that out of your system. So that's where that word comes from. But all the words, none of them are ours. It's not like anybody's called themselves the Ungwe Ungwe or the Gunyagahaga. No, you're not going to use any of our words. Heck, even when you do use words, you use Sioux, which you know that the Lakota don't like. You use Mohawk, which the Gunyagahaga don't like. You'll use words like Navajo rather than Diné. So, I mean, you just don't care. And And that's the bottom line. So you continue your behavior and you educate year after year, graduating class after graduating class of kids that that you've just created the stereotypical image of what a native person is. And that's what you're saying. And the characteristics that you claim to be honoring are the ones that you want, the one that you want to claim for yourself, not anything really associated with us, not historically, at least not historically correct. So that's what you do. So when I encounter a congressman or a senator or a state senator or assembly person, they still have that ignorance. They don't know any better. They don't know what a residential school is. They don't know that Abraham Lincoln signed the execution order for 38 Dakota that were, that were killed the week before his Emancipation Proclamation became in effect. No, they don't know that. They don't know any of this stuff. Why? Because they don't care. Because while their school was calling themselves Indians, they weren't teaching a damn thing. <laughs> it's funny. There's a, one of those historical state markers out in front of uh, the Cambridge High School. And it talks about, this is the trail where Indians, doesn't say who, Indians led their captives to Canada. Oh, yeah, see, see that how proud we are of them? Don't you realize that those Native people who were leading their captives, they were leading your ancestors to to prisons up uh, run by the French. <laughs> yeah, those are Americans or or Brits, British citizens that were being that were captured by the Huron. Being they don't even they don't even know what they're looking at. They they can see the historical marker and they oh yeah we take pride. See look look at those those brave Indians were leading their captives. Those captives were your people. They were the people that would become Americans, you moron. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty pathetic. And that's why, look, I put the challenge out there. I, I just say, look, 
explain to me how a black person or black people could be used for a mascot. And, and explain me a scenario by which that could possibly be appropriate. And if you can do that, then you have one, only one solid argument. In the absence of that one, you have none. By the way, you have none. And, you know, and, and I'm not trying to pick on black people. I'm just saying we understand that blackface is wrong now, but we still don't understand that white people wearing headdresses is wrong. We can't even connect those two things. We can't connect these cartoon images of Sambo to the cartoon images of, let's say, the Cleveland Indians. We can't even make that connection. Oh, no, they got nothing to do with each other. So, look, I'm asking everybody. But I'm, I'm asking black people, too, <laughs> in, in that everybody. I'm saying, look, you guys have to step up, too. Because racism is wrong. It isn't just wrong when a white boy from a little town near Binghamton, New York, grabs an AR-15 and runs into a top-friendly market and mows down a bunch of black people. Yes, that's racism. But that's not only racism. That's not the only way racism is manifested. Racism is about ignorance. And if your very schools, and, and look, and it's not even just the schools with native mascots, None of your schools will teach a goddamn thing about, uh, uh, about Native history. And I realize, look, the curriculum's full. How do you fit it in? Well, how about you just stop lying? Stop lying about how great America is. I mean, tell a little bit of truth. Yeah, dropping the atomic bomb was wrong. It was not right. It doesn't matter that white people did it to Japanese people. That didn't make it right. Genocide is wrong. It's a, it's, a, it's a crime against humanity. But when we mention critical race theory, oh, you get every, all, all the, the right <laughs> just loses their mind. In fact, I love the part where, where people will say, oh, all those liberals and snowflakes, they're destroying the country. Well, I'll tell you, you got a pretty weak country if snowflakes are destroying it. But you know what? The country does have problems. Why does the, country, why does the United States have such problems? It's because it was built on slavery and genocide. It was built on original sin. And I'm not talking about, you know, Adam eating an apple. <laughs> it was built on committing horrendous crimes against humanity and you're still doing it. Kathy Hochul, governor of the state of New York, extorting half a billion dollars out of the Senecas is, is a racist act. I know none of you want to accept that. Oh no, she had the courts on her side. Guess what, your courts are racist. Yeah, but there was an arbitration ruling. Guess what, the arbitration ruling was racist. Not just because it, it ruled against us. Look, I had lawyers. I had law professors on my show. Said there's no way the New York State can win an arbitration when they were trying to uh, squeeze money out of the Senecas. Well, guess what? Yes, they could. Yes, they could. And they did. They won in that system. Look, I hear people. In fact, there was just a, a conference this um, past weekend up in Aquasasne that talked about... Um, Stronger arguments, some new revelations about how the treaties that Great Britain entered into and other countries entered into with Native people are still valid. I mean, all right, if it's still valid, still valid, what does that mean? And if the argument is we're going to use it in court, how? How do we enter a court system to make a sovereignty argument? Courts can't rule on issues of sovereignty. They can only rule on issues relating to their constitution. Well, if we're outside their constitution, what we're doing is we're, we're going to enter your court system and say, we're going to give you permission to make a ruling about us. Hopefully for us, but the, the very act of me entering your court system says that I'm granting you the authority to strip me of whatever you want to.
look, if you get dragged into court and you have to defend yourself, that's one thing. But if you think you're going to get justice in the U.S. justice system, ain't happening. It's not happening. The system is rigged. The game is rigged. So we need to do all that we can to push for diplomatic and political solutions to our conflicts. And that's why the, the pressure that I put on the mascot issue isn't about attacking a school. It's about raising awareness about what racism really is. This isn't complicated. It really isn't. This isn't complicated. It's pretty simple. And like I said, show me that example. Show me that example of another people who could be used by, again, predominantly white communities. Show me another example where white, white people can use another marginalized people for their, uh, you know, for their mascot. And it, be, and it be appropriate. Show me that. And I know you can't. But if you hear what I'm saying, and you're acknowledging what I'm saying, then the obvious conclusion is that, oh, this is wrong. It must be wrong to use Native people that way. Never thought of it that way. You know, when I bring up this, this analogy, that's what I get from people. You know, I never really thought about it that way. Well, how would you not think about it that way? That's what we've been saying for 40 years. That you cannot use a people for mascots. You only heard, no, you can't use us for mascots. No, that's not what we said. We never said that. We said, we're not mascots. It's mockery. It's actually erasure. Like I said, when you create the characteristics you're assigning to that mascot that have nothing to do with who we are, you're ignoring who we are. So when I hear people say, well, if you take away all those mascots from school, you're just going to erase Native people from our history. That's not our history. You pretending to be Native people is not American and Native American history. It's not. It's not Native history. It's you continuing <laughs> in your own subtle way your racist behavior. And it's not just liberals and snowflakes raising these issues. No, little by little, we convince people to hear what we're saying. Look, when I went to my old high school, and it's not the first school that I've gone to. It's actually one of the last ones that I've gone to. When I went to, to my old high school, I knew I was going to piss off all the white folks there. I knew it. My thought was I only needed to get three of the five board members, hopefully, that they were elected to do right by the students. I only needed to convince three of them. And ultimately, I did. Three of the five board members voted to retire the mascot. And the town just about lost its mind. They're still losing their mind. They're, they just started issuing flags for sale. One of the board members, <laughs> who claims to be native, never lived on a native territory in his life, is selling flags with the Cambridge Indians logo on it. One of the board members. He's making money off of it. That's how nuts these people are. Doesn't matter what Cleveland did. Doesn't matter what Washington did. No. We're white people. We've been doing this for long enough that we know we have the right to do it. And nobody can take this from us. Least of all, the native people. So, this is what we've got. And look, and I know I've talked about this issue before, but because in light of the, the post that I did where I tried to make that analogy about, you know, create that situation where, where black people are honored, I figured I'm going to talk about it again. Especially, again, to me, it's, 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 it's equally absurd that an organization like Washington, the Washington NFL team, which is just hallmarked with all kinds of egregious behaviors. Everything from, you know, from forcing their cheerleaders to do, you know, sexual acts to, you know, to any number of things. I'm look, and, and there's going to be more and more coming out. There's a good chance that, that the Washington football team is going to be reshaped, if not forced to be sold by. And, and, and again, it's, the crazy part is Dan Snyder's Jewish. Now I'm not saying that, you know that 
I, I'm not condemning Jewish people. But when, when, I, when I hear people say that, you know, their religious values are at risk, many of these little towns like Cambridge Hall, devout, de devoted Christian community, white Christians, so whether you're white Christians or white Jews, if you can't recognize racism, and, and to me, many way, in many ways, and, and I don't mean to put, you know, have a higher standard for, for judgment on, on Jewish people, but when I, when I saw Ruth Bader Ginsburg cite the doctrine of Christian discovery in her ruling against the Oneidas, I got I to gotta tell you, it, it just stung a little bit more. How does a Jewish person not, not know? How does somebody who, who's experienced racism not know? Who's experienced this kind of oppression? A Holocaust, genocide. I mean, Jews are not unique. Many people have, have experienced this kind of stuff. But you know what? <laughs> Again, don't give me this whole thing about, oh yeah, I'm Irish and we face persecution here in you know, the United States when my family moved here. Well, then why the hell didn't you stay there and fight, fight it out in Ireland? And, and I'm not taking that same you know, position that why don't you people all go back where you came from? I'm, but when I hear people who came to this land, our land, who came to our land so they could be free and and by free mean meaning take over land from us rather than putting a stand you know taking a stand in your own country i'm sorry i, mean, I don't care if you're an african immigrant and i don't mean a, you know somebody who was dragged in chains i don't care if you're an african immigrant or if you left poland or ireland or Italy, you didn't defend your homeland. You didn't defend your culture and your families and your homes and your communities. You came here and became a part of the, the system of oppression that was taken ours. And you know what? Do I feel bad for anything that you experienced when you got here? Yeah, I guess I do feel a little bit bad. But I don't feel that bad because you you made a choice. Our people got inundated. And among the people we were inundated by were you. I don't know what, I don't know what the solution is, but I, you know, one of the reasons I talk about residential schools the way I do is I think it's a mistake to suggest that as we talk about these Indian boarding schools, these, these torture chambers, these prisons for children, that whose goal was to force assimilation upon them. We cannot just look at the crimes committed against individual children. There can be no reconciliation if you're just going to cut checks to survivors. Because there were nations that were destroyed. There was lands that were taken. There were people that, were, that died. And not only did, were people di did they die at these schools, but our populations diminished as a result of the schools. You took away families. You destroyed families. So our families didn't, our, our, we didn't reproduce at the rate that we had before. And what we're left with is intergenerational trauma that is, that, that's left people really struggling to survive in the systems that you created. Worst poverty in the nation. It's not, it's not inner city ghettos. It's native territories. Highest suicide rate. Native people. Before child suicide was even a thing, they had to write off any suicide that took place on a native territory as just an anomaly. They didn't even keep track of it. Oh, no, that's, we're not even going to count that. Children don't commit suicide. <laughs> Ours did, even before yours did. Now yours do. Oh, so now, oh, now it's a problem. It was an anomaly when native kids were doing it. The United States has a long way to go before they ever can suggest that they've, that, that they've made any real headway with racism. And if you're going to reduce racism only to acts of violence and hate, then you're, you're giving a pass to the breeding ground to get there.
that kid who came to Buffalo to kill black people, he didn't just wake up one morning as a racist. He had a, an upbringing of it. He was inundated with it. And, and probably within the community, via the internet, in his school. Yeah. Now, not all racism teaches people to hate. It just teaches people that they're better. American exceptionalism, that's a euphemism for white supremacy. I'm sorry. I don't care if it comes out of Barack Obama's mouth. If you believe that you are superior because you're an American, man, that's, that's eugenics gone wrong, baby. <laughs> that's just some bad stuff. So, look, I want to, again, I want to thank you for listening, bearing with me on my rant. Some of my anger. Yeah, I'm angry. I'm pissed. I, I appreciate you bearing with me and hearing this out. But give it some thought. Let us settle in. And by all means, I look forward to hearing from people who can say, oh, yeah, I, I know an example of, you know, how black people can be used as mascots. You really? Really? Go ahead. I, I'm all ears. But I want to thank WBAI and WPFW for giving me the platform. Again, I'll, I'll give the numbers here as I go off the air here. Let me, let me give the number for WBAI. Make a pledge. Make a pledge. Support the station. It's, it's 212-209-2950. Go online to give to WBAI.org. Follow the prompts. You'll even see, you'll see the, um, the tower fund there too. But, you know, look, we need money to support the station. So we're, whatever bucket it goes in, it'll get used properly. Um, if you're listening on WPFW, go to 202-588-9739 or go online to WPFWFM.org. And look, if you're catching the show on Facebook, you're still welcome to make a donation to, to these radio stations. Or, uh, or if you're catching it as a podcast um, uh, for Resistance Radio with, with John Kane. Um, again, thanks for listening. And thanks for your feedback. I do, I do appreciate it. This is, this is why we do it. We do it so you'll be aware and perhaps, just perhaps, you'll think about things just a little differently than you have before. I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. Yahweh.